I hope you brought your Bible with you to Women's Vacation Bible School. But if you didn't, maybe a sweet girlfriend beside you will let you look on with her. But if you did, I would encourage you to get it out and to turn to our theme verse, which we're going to be looking at a lot this weekend, which is 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Now as you're turning there, let me just say that I teach out of the New American Standard Version Bible. But regardless of what version you have, I encourage you get it out. Get your hands in it, get your eyes in it, and we'll have the verses from my version up on the screen, and I think all of that will work just fine together. But let's read this together. Let me read it for you first. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. There's so much for us to see here. Would you read this out loud with me? In fact, I would encourage you to stand up and let's give honor to the Word of God and let's read this out loud from the words that are on the screen. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. You can have a seat. I hope you know by now, we've said it enough, that we're glad that you are here. We've, we've been praying and, and planning for this time for us all to be together, for God to minister to all of us. God ministers to me as I get to teach His Word. He always ministers as we get His Word open. And we've been praying that what we just read is not going to be just some nice, poetic, religious-sounding words on a page. But as we look at them and behold these words and, and meditate on them throughout the weekend, that they are going to really rise up within each one of us as truth because that's exactly what they are. You know, God created every one of us in His image to reflect His glory. And I believe it is His heart as He's up there in heaven just looking down on us tonight to just nudge the angels sitting beside Him and point at us and say, Isn't she lovely. Now some of you sitting here tonight, depending on what you said in that survey, you might be thinking, well, he ain't going to say that about me. I mean, I stood up and said, I'm a mess. He isn't going to say I'm lovely. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm tainted or scarred or weary, you know. I blew it yesterday. He isn't going to say that about me. I've been in a pit for so long. I don't know how to get out. God isn't going to say that about me. Some of you are beyond those kind of words, and you just a long time ago said, I'm done. I'm done. I'll just one day get to glory, and then he can make me like he wants me to be, but I don't know what else to do now, you know? And you might be feeling that way, but God's Word has a message of truth for us tonight, and here's what it is. In Christ, you are lovely, and you can become lovely, and we're going to be talking about both of those things. So I want to ask you a question. If you had a big mirror in front of you right now, when you look at yourself, would your first thought be, lovely, that's me, I'm, I'm lovely. Kind of like that one who came up and just did the little dance, you know, she just was really all about herself, wasn't she? She thought she was lovely for sure. I mean, would your first thought be lovely? Probably not, because most of us tend to be our own worst critic. But when we look in the mirror, what do we see? Now, you might be thinking, well, are you talking about what I see on the outside or are you talking about what I see on the inside? You know, because we are in church and we probably will talk about some of that stuff at the heart, you know, tonight. What are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about all of it. The outside, the inside, the whole package. I'm not one of those people that really buys into the God only cares about what's on the inside stuff. Because here's the thing. God made my insides, but he made my outsides. And I think he's concerned with all of it. I'm a whole person. And if I only focus on one part to the exclusion of the other, it really doesn't show lovely very well because the definition of the word lovely is beautiful and pleasing in a harmonious way, meaning working together. You know, you've probably read in the Bible where it says, don't let your adornment only be external. The heart of that passage is that the people were worrying so much about the outside that they didn't worry about the inside. But see, we can do the opposite as well. And see, lovely has to all work together. So back to the question. Mirror in front of you, are you lovely? 
Are you lovely? Now, if you look at your outward appearance, some of you tonight, you might think, well, I think I look pretty good right now, you know. I just got a new haircut, got a pedicure. Some of you got that new t-shirt we have out there that says lovely right across the front. I mean, what more do you want? You know, it says lovely right here uh, in front of me. In fact, uh, I'm going to, we asked some of you to, or asked all of you to fill out one of these contact cards. And I am looking for Reba Nelson. Where are you, Reba? Wave and holler at me. Reba, way in the back. Okay, Jacqueline is going to bring you a t-shirt. We just want to bless you with that. Yeah, woo! If that's not a good size for you, when the session's over, you can switch it out at a t-shirt table. But you know, it, some of us just feel lovely. I mean, we could, we could wear a shirt that says lovely and be perfectly fine with that. But some of you tonight, you probably wouldn't put that t-shirt on if I gave it to you. I mean, you might say, well, test me on that. But you know, I, I can't. But some of you wouldn't put it on if I gave it to you because you're not feeling very lovely about the way you look. You know, it seems like every time you look in the mirror lately, you got new wrinkles. Or you just feel frumpy and out of style. Some of you younger girls, it's like I go to bed and my, my skin is clear. I wake up the next morning and there's mumps all over the place. What in the world's going on, you know? And you're not feeling so good about yourself. I mean, forget the bad hair day. You're just having a bad you day. And you don't feel lovely when you look in the mirror. And here's the thing, ladies. That kind of mirror moment about our outward appearance, you know, it comes and goes. One day we feel good. I mean, we can be really fickle as women, right? We might like what we look like one day and the next day we don't. But the same thing happens with what's going on on the inside. If we really allow the mirror to reveal to us what's going on in our heart. Some days it looks good. Some days lovely. Some days not so lovely. Earlier tonight we had the opportunity to look at some women up here on the stage as they kind of revealed what they were seeing in the mirror. And that doesn't happen real often with women. We don't always let people see what's going on. Well, I'm going to let you look into what I see in the mirror sometimes, too, when I look in. And, you know, it might surprise you because sometimes you might think, oh, she's the speaker girl and you, you, she's just got all this confidence and stuff like that. But when I look in the mirror, a lot of the times I see this person that just doesn't measure up. Now, for the record, I realize that by me just saying that to you, now I realize that in your sight, I probably don't measure up. So it was a little bit vulnerable for me to say that. But I feel like it's important for me to reveal to you, if I'm going to ask you, what are you seeing in the mirror? I think I need to tell you what I'm seeing in the mirror. And it's hard to describe, but just a lot of times when I look in the mirror, I see forgotten, left out, not measuring up, not good enough, just plain, just common, just okay, but certainly not lovely. That word just kind of seems a little bit lofty to me. Sometimes a word picture is helpful for us to understand what somebody's trying to convey. A, a word picture is a vivid verbal description that explains a dynamic or a feeling that's going on inside of someone. So let me just give you a word picture to help you to see what I see sometimes when I look in the mirror and, and look at myself. And here's the word picture. So I was sitting with my friends the other day. We were all just sitting, talking, laughing, you know. And one of them brings up this party that she had been invited to. And all the others start chiming in. Yeah, yeah, I got that invitation. Are you going? Yeah, yeah, they're all going. And pretty soon it becomes very apparent that everybody in the room has been invited to this party but me. <laughs> so the conversation gets a little awkward when everybody starts to realize that. You know how that goes. A little bit stilted there. And, you know, I go home later and I'm kind of feeling a little bit down about that. And the phone rings. Sure enough, it's the girl who's given the party because somebody had gone home and called her and said, you were supposed to invite her. You know how that all works. So anyway, she says, you know, I don't know what happened. I, I thought I had invited you. You know, I really do want you to come. I hope it didn't hurt your feelings. Will you please come? So I try to be the nice girl and say, it's all right. Yeah, I'll come. I'll come. So I go to the party. But the whole time I'm at the party, there's like this tone hanging over me that says, you know, you weren't on the original list. <laughs> you really weren't. You're really not in with this group of people like you thought you were. Now, even though that didn't specifically happen to me, maybe that word picture gives you an idea of what I sometimes feel like when I look in the mirror. And I imagine that many of you can relate because I've had enough women tell me the very same thing, that they struggle with not feeling apart, with wanting when they look in the mirror and wondering, do I really measure up? Am I really in 
whatever in really means. And it's not just us women. Many younger girls, I mean very young, start struggling with this idea of not fitting in and not really measuring up, not making the grade. But see, is it really all about what I feel? Because often, do I feel lovely? No, no. Not so much, probably not. Maybe good enough for a last-minute invite, but, but definitely not lovely. And I know, just because you're a room full of women with a couple men spattered in here, and they can deal with this too, but I know, yeah, I know that many of us feel like that. We don't feel very lovely about the outside, about the inside, about the whole package. But I want to make something real clear as we get started and looking in the Word together tonight. We're not here to talk about what we feel. We're not here to talk about what we feel. We are here tonight to talk about what the truth says. And the truth says that we are lovely. And so we're going to look together tonight at some truth. We start at the very beginning. You go back to Genesis 1.27. It says that we were made in the image of God. We were created in the image of God, and there is no one more lovely than he is. We talked about that and sung, sang about that a few minutes ago. He's beautiful. He's pleasing. In fact, the Bible goes way beyond lovely when it describes our God. It says he's holy. That means that he is perfect. There's not an ounce of imperfection in him. His insides, his outsides, his thoughts, his motives, his plans, his deeds, his, his work, everything about him is perfect and holy. Everything he does is a reflection of his holy nature. Now, we were designed to reflect him and give him glory. He reflects his own glory. He, he gives off his own glory. But what is glory? You know, we use that word. We sing about that word a lot in the church. But do we really know what it means? Glory is a true reflection of something. So when we think of God's glory... We think of all the things that give a true reflection of who God is. So you and I were created in his image. We were created that we would reflect the glory of God. And remember what the definition of the word lovely is. It's beautiful and pleasing in a harmonious way. So when we reflect his glory, what's really happening is we're in harmony with our God that we have been created to reflect. And we reflect his glory. So here's the question, though. If that's how we were all created, what in the world happened? What happened? How is it that so many of us are still looking in the mirror and coming up short? And we're not measuring up. I believe it all relates to a word that we read earlier when we looked at our theme scripture. Back in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Remember it said, but we all with unveiled face. Do you see that word unveiled? What is a veil? A veil is something that separates one thing from another. Now, there hasn't always been a veil between us and God. When, when God created man, there wasn't a veil. We could see God clearly and God could see us until man and woman chose to walk away from his glory. And tonight, I wish we had a whole lot of time. We don't have as much time as I'd like. So we don't have time to go into all that happened because Adam and Eve chose to walk away from the glory of God. And you know, in a room this size, I don't have any idea what you know and what you don't know, okay? But I want to encourage you. If you don't really understand what it means to be made in God's image, and what happened in the Garden of Eden that affects you today, that trickles down into your life, the consequences that flow into your life, you really need to get a hold of that understanding. When God taught me what it meant to be made in his image, it changed me. As he allowed me to see what happened way back there in the Garden of Eden has a profound impact on my life today. It's not just a Bible story. It makes a difference in how I live today. We just recently started producing a series of messages called Foundational Truth. And the first one is called Spirit, Soul, and Body. And it's a teaching about that very thing. We're, we don't have time to go into all of that tonight. But I want to really encourage you. This is foundational to understand. It's, it's a part, really, of most of what I teach. 
It's so important that we understand this. And if you don't understand this, I would encourage you to get the CD sometime this weekend and just listen to it. It's for a $5 donation just to help us cover our costs. If you really can't afford that and, and you need to listen to this, go to the table and say, Sharon said you would give me one of these if I asked for it and told you I, I couldn't afford it. And I really mean that. It's that important. But tonight I want to give one of those um, to, to Cynthia Wigington. Where are you, Cynthia? Can you holler out at us? Back there. You should have sat back there, ladies, I'm telling you. Yeah. I hope that blesses you. I hope that blesses you. You mean you guys were together? Oh, okay. <laughs> I would have started to think there was a problem here. Okay. I hope that blesses you. And I wish we had time to go into all that, but we don't. But I do encourage you to get that if, if you'd like to get that understanding in your life. And some of you probably already do understand that, I'm sure. But I do want to talk about one specific consequence. When man and woman chose sin in the Garden of Eden, as a result, a veil was put in place. See, their sin now made them unlovely, and they couldn't be in the presence of God, even though they were created in His image. After Adam and Eve sinned, they were banished from God's presence. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, Verse 24, it's the same chapter where they took of the fruit. At the end of that chapter, it says that God placed flaming swords around the tree of life because he had to put up a barrier between he and the people, between he and Adam and Eve. Later, years later, God instituted the tabernacle so that man and woman could still worship him. But there still was a veil. In Exodus 40, we're told that he told them, you shall place the ark of the testimony there, and then you shall put a veil to screen the ark. The ark was the presence of God, but there was a veil that separated man from God. The people couldn't look at God. They couldn't see him. They couldn't be near him. They couldn't hear from him. And no wonder then that their image became dark and ugly and full of sin. They couldn't even see this one that they were designed to reflect. Now, ladies, when the veil was in place, they were not lovely. It's very important to understand that. They couldn't reflect his glory. And to be honest with you, it went on for so long, they didn't even realize it. Kind of like you and I can be when we get really busy going through our day and we don't realize how much of a mess we look and then all of a sudden we look in the mirror we're like, ah, you know, I didn't know it was so bad. It reminds me of back when I was about 29, I, I had a complete hysterectomy at the time. And it was a hard time for me physically and emotionally, you know, and I was in the hospital, and I really just didn't care about anything at that time, because I was hurting, and I was hurting in my heart as well, and I'd been laying in the bed for two days, hadn't looked in a mirror, could care less what I looked like. Now, at that time, I had really long hair, and I had big hair, and you know, um, in the 80s, I, I did just fine, because my hair was large, <laughs> and in my wedding picture, I mean, my hair is large, but anyway, so I'm, I'm in the hospital bed, and they're going to get me up to go on a walk, and I had not touched my hair or looked at myself in a mirror for two days and we get ready to go out the door and I think the nurse just all of a sudden really looked at me and she thought oh my goodness and she started trying to like pat my hair now, <laughs> like that she was just like patting on the top of my head and my husband started laughing and I'm like looking at him like stop because it hurts and you're hurting my feelings and that just made me want to cry too but now when we're at home if I look a mess it's kind of a family joke he just kind of like pats my head like honey you need to go do something you know about yourself but see, that's kind of what God was doing when he sent many of the prophets to speak to his people because they hadn't looked at themselves in the mirror in a long time. And he wanted to make them aware and say, look at yourselves. Do you realize what you're really looking like here? God's word through the prophets was like he was putting a mirror in front of them. And we're going to look tonight at the words of one of these prophets back in the book of Isaiah. So if you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 1, you might want to hold your finger in uh, 2 Corinthians 3 as well because we'll be flipping back and forth. But Isaiah 1, we're just going to kind of work our way through this chapter tonight. And here's, we're going to start at the very beginning. It says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now basically, he's just setting the whole thing up and saying, all of this that I'm going to say happened during the reigns of these kings, okay? And it was a vision that God gave him. 
In verse 2 it says, listen, O heaven, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. And I love that it says that right at the very beginning. Because yes, it is Isaiah's mouth speaking. But who is speaking? It's God. God is the one delivering the message using the mouth of Isaiah. And here he goes on to speak. He says, sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, a donkey its master's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. He's saying to them, look, I made you. I brought you up, but you don't even know me. He really is saying, look how dumb you have become. Even an ox, even a donkey knows who its maker is, but you don't. And he goes on to describe them in verse 4. He says, alas, sinful nation. It's basically, look, you're a sinful people. He says, people weighed down with iniquity. Look in the mirror. You have got so much sin, like weighing you down, you can't even stand up straight. He says, sons who act corruptly, offspring of evildoers. You know, one version says about that part, you're just full of evil. I don't know if you've ever been asked, what do you think about this? And you just can't think of anything good to say? Well, that's God here. Can't think of one good thing to say about these people. He says they have abandoned the Lord. They've despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Here they were designed to reflect God, and they don't even know Him. They've turned away from him. They've just gone off and done their own thing. And through Isaiah's voice, God is saying, what happened? What happened to my children? Look at yourselves. You are a total mess. And the verses that follow just describe it even further. Read with me in verse 5. God says, where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head. In other words, from top to bottom. There's nothing sound in it. Only bruises and welts and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, not softened with oil. Talk about yuck. Talk about unlovely. God is telling them, you are totally a mess. Inside and outside, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. You are a mess. Your whole heart, everything about you. I don't even have a place that I can try to discipline you anymore because there, there's not even a place left on you to try to do that. He basically tells them you're, you're really a waste place. In verse 7, that's what he says. He says, your land is desolate. Your cities are burned up with fire. Your fields, strangers are devouring them in your presence. It's a desolation as overthrown by strangers. Talk about a word picture. That's a word picture. And he goes on to say, And the daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. A watchman's hut was like a place of temporary shelter, not worth much. And this is describing how God's children were into a temporary fix with God. You know, they're doing their own thing all the time, but every now and then they'd get into a little bit of trouble. So they'd run into this hut and try to get God to fix it, but then they'd go off and do their own thing. Certainly not what they were created for in reflecting God's glory. Now, let's just stop here for a minute and take a deep breath. And you might be thinking, I thought we came here to get encouraged. <laughs> this is not really encouraging. Well, stay with me, okay? This past year, as I studied the book of Isaiah, and actually this summer I'm going through it again verse by verse because there is just so much to see. I know from my study that God was really talking to the people way back then during the reigns of these kings. But here's the thing, ladies. As I studied this chapter, I found his spirit talking to me. See, because I've been in these same places, not even knowing my maker, not recognizing him, weighed down with iniquity to where it's burning me. From the top of my head to the sole of my foot, just having myself focused on myself, feeling desperate and forsaken and every now and then running in and saying, God, help me, but then running out and doing my own thing in the world again. I've been in those places, and it's not just before I was saved. I find myself in those places sometimes now. No wonder I look in the mirror sometimes and feel like I don't measure up because here's the thing. 
I'm not. I'm not measuring up to what God created me to be, a reflection of his glory. And it's no wonder that that's kind of a universal problem when people really open up and say what's really going on in their heart when they look in the mirror, because all of us are not measuring up to the real reason that God created us, and that was to be a reflection of his glory. See, let's be real clear here. There was a veil in place for these people. They couldn't see God, but God could see them. And what he saw was a mess, a total waste place, plain, ugly. But wait a minute. Hold your place right there in Isaiah and go back to our theme scripture in 2 Corinthians 3. What did it say? But we all with unveiled face. Haven't we been taught that when Christ died on the cross, the veil was torn in two. We don't have a veil anymore. We have free and clear access to God. I mean, it says right here, right? The word's there, unveiled. See, I can understand how those people way back then in the reigns of those kings ended up in those kind of places. They couldn't see God, but you and I can. How is it that we are still ending up in those places of unlovely, looking in the mirror and going, why can't I be? lovely and measure up when the veil was in place it just got worse and worse go back to isaiah see i told you we're going to flip back and forth go back to isaiah again look at verse 9 it says unless the lord of hosts had left us a few survivors we would be like sodom we would be like gomorrah do you remember sodom and gomorrah what happened there total destruction because of their sin this is basically saying you know god is merciful <laughs> Because we're just like them. And God could have just wiped us off the face of the earth, but he left a few of us. But obviously he thinks they're like them because in verse 10 he calls them Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And he goes on to speak to them now, not just about their general living, but about their worship. Because their worship has been infected as well. And he says, he doesn't mince words at all, and I'm just going to kind of summarize here. In verse 11, he basically says, I've had enough of your burnt offerings. <laughs> verse 12, he asks them a question. He says, who even asked you to come? Verse 13, your offerings are worthless. Verse 14 really hits. It says, I hate your festivals. They've become a burden to me. In verse 15, he says, I will hide my eyes from you. I will not even listen. God could not have been more blunt about how unlovely they were in his sight. Talk about not measuring up. See, but again, ladies, as I studied this and I looked at this, I knew that God was talking to those people way back then in the reigns of those kings. And I could have left it there. But the Holy Spirit was stirring something up in my heart and talking to me. Because if I really look in the mirror and I'm really honest, I know that my worship has been tainted with sin at times. There have been way too many times that I've just gone through the motions of honoring God. I've come to God's house on Sunday to worship Him or some other time gone to Bible study and my mind has been in a million worldly places not focused on the King of Kings. Is the Spirit speaking to you? But wait a minute. Hold your place there in Isaiah. Go back again to 2 Corinthians. What does it say there? It says that our face is unveiled. Right? When Christ died on the cross, the veil was torn. We have an unveiled face. These people, they had a veil. They couldn't see God. No wonder they ended up like that. Why is it that when we don't have a veil, we identify with him? Why is it we're still looking in the mirror and we don't see lovely? It all has to do with the veil. When the veil is removed, things change. What changes? Everything changes. And we can really know that the veil was removed. If you believe God's word, it says so again and again. For instance, in, in Mark 15, it tells us when Christ died on the cross, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. In 2 Corinthians 3, the same chapter as our theme verse, in verse 16, it says when a man turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. It's taken away. And this removal of the veil for the person who professes faith and belief and is saved in Christ the removal of that veil changes 
everything. We don't have time tonight to talk about everything that it changes, but I want to talk about a couple things. And the first thing is it changes our position now with God. God invited us now. He's not shielding us away from him. He's inviting us in. God is saying, I want you in my presence. And we need to really get the impact of what is going on here. See, all my life I've heard about this, you know, God removing the veil. I knew that from my Bible study, story when I studied about Jesus dying on the cross. That was one of the things we learned about. But to me, this girl who's been looking in the mirror and not feeling like she measured up, that's been a message of allowance to me. This idea of, you know, you're really not good enough to be in here with me, but if you really want to come, I guess I'll let you in. This whole not measuring up thing. But just this year, the Lord has revealed some things to me. Like, until I really read Isaiah 1, I didn't get how detestable I was to God. And we've been looking at it tonight. Maybe you've seen that too. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I knew that my sin bothered God. But I didn't really know that how he saw the real me inside and out, that I was dumb. I didn't even know who my maker was. That I was totally weighed down with iniquity to where I couldn't even stand up. It was so heavy upon me. That I was a waste place to God from head to toe, inside and out. That I was a burden when I would sing to him or try to worship him. I see, there's no denying what God means in these word pictures. And here's the thing. This blows me away. God put a veil in place for one sin of somebody reaching up to grab a piece of fruit that he said, don't, don't eat that. He put a veil in place. Can you imagine the need in God's heart and mind once we started doing all the other crazy stuff that's going on? If he put a veil in place for taking a piece of fruit off the tree when he said, don't touch that, can you imagine when murders and abortions and greediness and lying and wrong motives, all the horrible, ugly acts of the sinful nature started taking place, can you imagine how much God needed to put this veil in place? When we understand that, it helps us to see how incredible it is that he took it down. Here is the truth. This is the truth. None of us measure up. To God, we're all a waste place. But everything changes when the veil is removed because it says that he invited us. Not as an afterthought. Not as if you have to come. Maybe if you can make yourself presentable enough to me, I'll let you come in and we'll see how it works out. No, ladies. It was his plan all along to invite us in. In fact, the Bible says before the foundation of the world, he had planned to save us in Christ. Before we ever even committed the first sin, he knew it was going to happen and he had already made a plan. If you go back to Isaiah 1, we'll see this. Isaiah, more than any other prophet, spoke and prophesied about the salvation that was going to come through Christ. And he does it right in this first chapter. After all this yuck that God has just described about his people, listen to what he says, starting in verse 16. He says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from my sight, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Now, these are many of the same things he's been saying for years and years and years. And here's the thing. The people just couldn't get their act together to do them. And God knew that. And so in verse 18, this is one of the most beautiful passages to me in the whole Bible. God says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Ladies, this is an invitation from God, a personal invitation to any unlovely person, and we're all unlovely, to sit down with God and work through all the hideous yuck that lovely can shine forth. And only God could do that. The lovely glory of God. You think about it. You cannot sit down and have a real conversation with somebody if there's a veil hanging between you. So even then, back in this chapter, God was letting on that when Christ died on the cross, the veil was going to come down. And he would invite us to sit in his presence and work it out. And you want to know how he worked it out? 
How he worked it out? He took all of our unloveliness and put it upon himself. And he died because of it. The weight of all our sin, our bad attitudes, our wrong motives, our sexual immorality, our selfish desires, our rebellion, our worldly living, our lying, our hurtful deeds, our greediness. You go on and on and on. The weight of all of that, anything you can think of that's sinful and more, God took all of that and he put it upon Jesus, piled it upon him, sin upon sin, so he was weighted down with iniquity that we might become lovely in his sight. It's called the great exchange. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He took all our unlovely. He gives us all of his lovely. And when we believe in Christ and trust him for salvation and walk through salvation with him, he brings all of that lovely into our life. And that's the truth, ladies. It doesn't matter if you feel lovely tonight. It doesn't matter if when you look in the mirror you think you're lovely or not. You're not unless... You've been given lovely by Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn away, and it sends a very, very clear message. It says, I am not forgotten. I am loved. I am wanted. And I am now lovely in his sight because he made me that way. See, I always looked at the veil coming down as, okay, God's going to allow me now to come in there. He'll tolerate me if I really want to talk to him. I guess he'll put up with me. But that's not it at all. God says, I made special arrangements. I went to a lot of trouble to make sure you get this invitation. Please come and be in my presence. And it's not just for me. It's for everybody. The Bible says all, say the word all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says that the Lord abounds in riches for all, say that again, all, all who call upon his name. God invited me, he invited you. So that's God's perspective, and boy, does it change. Makes a big difference for us. But what else changes? Well, we get to see God now, and that's a huge difference too. Now that there's no veil, we can see God. Go back to 2 Corinthians again, 3.18. And read, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Did you catch that next line after the word unveiled? It says, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. This is really important. When God invites us in, we get to see him now. There's nothing in the way. No veil, plain view. And it says, Beholding as in a mirror. What's that all about? Well, you think about how do people look in the mirror? Well, women look in the mirror and they study themselves in the mirror. That's why today we have lighted mirrors and magnified mirrors. Those things are very scary sometimes, the bigger they get, you know. But that's because we study ourselves. Now, a lot of times we try to make it look like we're not. You know, we just glance. But we really, if given the opportunity, we will really look. We'll even talk to ourselves in the mirror sometimes, right? Just like all those girls did up here earlier. That's what we do. And that's this idea of beholding as in a mirror. It's this idea of looking intently and also often. Think about how many times, just imagine how many times you really look in a mirror a day. I mean, you get up in the morning and you go to the bathroom and go in there and probably at night. So that's at least twice because you're going to at least glance. And I mean, as women, many of us can go to the bathroom a lot, right? And so every time you go in there, you're going to glance, right? If you walk by the, the, the store window that even just has the glass with reflection, a lot of times you're going to glance in the mirror, right? So we look in the mirror a lot. So it's this idea of beholding it as in a mirror is the idea of intently looking. Like really studying and often, not just, you know, once a week on Sunday, but really looking many times a day. And here's the other thing about mirrors. When you look in a mirror, what do you see? The truth. That's why a lot of people don't like mirrors. They don't want to see what's really there. But see, with God, we get to look in the mirror and we get to really see what's there when we look as in a mirror. You know, you might be thinking, how do I look at him? Okay, maybe there isn't a veil, but, but I still can't see him. I mean, how do I really look at God? You know, the Word is like a mirror. And you look in the Word, and God uses it in living and active ways to reveal himself to you. 
And I want to encourage you, tomorrow we're going to be talking about that more and more. And to me, really, I mean, I think this is a strong teaching tonight, but tomorrow is where the meat is, I think, where God is going to really just do some work. So I encourage you to come back. But as we close tonight, we cannot miss the truth of being unveiled. We've got to get this, ladies. See, many of us identified with what we read in Isaiah chapter 1. Here we are living out these same descriptions as those people way back in Isaiah's day. You know, they had a veil. We don't have a veil. But we're still searching the mirror trying to find lovely. And here's the thing. I believe that we miss out on lovely because even though God tore the veil down, we put up our own veils. See, some of us put up our own veil of this poor image of ourselves, where we feel like we don't measure up. But the truth is, in Christ, we do. In and of yourself, you don't, but in Christ, you do. But we can use that veil of just looking at ourselves all the time and, and just feeling like we don't measure up. And that becomes a veil in and of itself, and it manifests itself in many different ways in our lives. Some of us put up a veil of just total self-focus where we're so interested and so intently looking at ourselves, we don't even have time to see God. You know, many women are looking at life and trying so hard to find their affirmation from somebody. Maybe their mother. Maybe they've wished their mother would just praise them or affirm them their whole life. And they keep trying harder and trying to do more. Maybe it's not their mother. Maybe it's another family member or somebody else. But they just can't get that person to affirm them. And they keep looking in the mirror saying, please, tell me that I'm, that I'm enough for you. And that's a sad place to be. You know, a lot of us, we will spend so much time exercising and money on lotions and potions. Who knows the amount of money we pour into that stuff because we're looking in the mirror just going, please, please, please tell me I'm lovely, that I'm the best, that there's nobody else that has it together more than me. But see, the thing is, one day maybe the mirror will say that, but then the next day we see somebody who looks thinner or better or prettier or has a better body or prettier skin. And then the mirror leaves us wanting Again, it's not a secure thing to ever hear the mirror say you're lovely because it's not going to last. A lot of us end up then going out and spending who knows how much money on stuff to try to say you have got it all together. You got the pantsuit and the purse. I mean, we're really into the purses, aren't we? If we've got that purse, we can feel really special. Or the data plan on our phone or whatever it is, just saying, please, please, please tell me I'm lovely. Many women kind of give up on that. I've known many. I did this for a while myself. It's like, you know what? If I can't be lovely in and of myself, well, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure my child is, that everybody thinks she is the greatest and best thing that ever hit the face of the planet. And we will work ourselves crazy, maybe even make many an enemy, trying to make sure that our child is number one and measures up in everybody's eyes. And really what we're doing we're still looking for our own lovely in the mirror because we're hoping that if that happens for our child, then they're going to say, well, she's the perfect mother, isn't she? She's just lovely. It's not just for women. It's for girls, too. And it starts very, very young. And we need to be very careful what our daughters are believing and looking in the mirror to see because they will not measure up. Even if they make straight A's, even if they get the scholarship, even if they are the captain of the cheerleading squad and date the football player and have the new car and yada, yada, yada. I mean, it just goes on and on and on, doesn't it? But there's gonna be a place where that mirror is gonna be broken and it's not gonna reveal lovely. You know, I know my husband would say amen to taking care of him well. <laughs> and that's a good, and he does. And that's a good, and that's a godly thing, and we should do that. But you know what? It is an empty place to be looking in the mirror for your husband to be your source of information to say that you are lovely. Because he can't give that to you. The only one that can give that to you is God himself. I've met many women, and I've been in this place myself before. It's a dark place where you just kind of give up. <laughs> Every now and then you'll glance in the mirror again, 
but really you know you're not going to find much. And so you just say, whatever, why do I even bother? And you let yourself go. The inside, the outside, everything. You just get tired of trying. That's a really sad place to be when God created you to reflect His glory and He's willing to give you lovely. I think about getting older as I'm getting older and you know really, this is my new saying, age is all relative because there's always going to be somebody older and there's always going to be somebody younger, you know? I mean even though I lived to be 150, wasn't Methuselah like something like, I don't know, how many years old in the Bible, like in the 800s or something? So I could be young. I mean it's just all in the way you think about it. But as you're getting older, you know, as I'm getting older, I don't want to be looking in the mirror for the rest of my life going, am I lovely? Have I done enough? You know, I think it's a good and godly thing to raise good children, you know, to have a nice home, to have grandchildren we can celebrate, to be able to look back on work accomplished and feel good and have good memories about that. But those things are not going to give us worth and value. We will not measure up because of those things. And one of the saddest places I know that we find ourselves many times, even as Christian women, knowing the truth, is going before the Lord with a mirror saying, God, I've done this and this and this for you, and I'm doing this, and I even tithed 12% or maybe 20 or maybe 50 or 75%. Ladies, it doesn't matter if you tithe 100%. It's not going to be enough because we don't measure up in and of ourselves to what God created us to be. The only way we will ever be lovely is when God himself gives us his lovely through Jesus Christ and our faith in him. Amen? Yes. Amen. God has removed the veil. He's taken that down. And what that says to us is, hey, let me give you lovely. And you'll stop having to look in the mirror and trying to find it there. You can live and lovely. And tomorrow we'll be talking more about how we can actually even become that. God makes us lovely, but then he can actually help us to live that way. We have to remind ourselves. You know, I use sticky notes a lot at my house, put them up on the mirror and things at different times to remind myself to do little things. You know, I think one of the best things we could ever put on the mirror is this, this word, unveiled, because we forget, we forget that we are unveiled. We forget about it. And then we start looking in the mirror trying to find other things. When God has already done this work in our lives, ladies, we have to remind ourselves, maybe you don't look in the mirror and find these things, but maybe the veil that you have between you and God is that you're too busy. Or maybe you're angry and there's a big veil of anger between you and God. Or maybe there's another relationship in your life that's way more important than God. And so it's like this huge veil between you and Him. Some of us get so successful in our lives, we think we don't need God. And so that's a veil, all kinds of things. These veils and more keep us from God. How do you relate to God? Is there a veil in place? If so, you put it there. You did, not him. Because the Bible tells us he tore the veil. God says right here in his word, come and sit down with me. We'll work it out. That's an invitation, a personal invitation for every unlovely person. And you know what, ladies? It's rude to not respond to an invitation, right? And we need to respond to God's invitation. Look back at Isaiah 1 with me. Isaiah 1, verse 19. God says, if you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. In other words, you accept my invitation, let me just tell you, it's going to be good. <laughs> You're going to be glad you did. You're going to like the party. <laughs> but in verse 20, he says, If you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. In other words, refuse my invitation. There's going to be a lot of consequences in your life. The sword many times represented the judgment that naturally just comes into our life because of the sin we choose, the consequences of sin. I like how the Message Bible words these two verses. It says, if you willingly obey, you'll feast like kings. But if you're willful and stubborn, you'll die like dogs. That's a word picture. One of loveliness and one of stubborn consequences. I'm going to ask these ladies to go ahead and take a seat. At the same time, I'm going to ask our band and our choir to make their way to the front and while they do, 
I just want to ask you, ladies, when is the last time you really sat down with God? You just looked at him intently. He made a way on the cross for you to do that. He tore the veil. He took all the unloveliness away. And you're lovely in his sight. That's what the Bible says. Maybe you have never really looked at God. You can do that for the very first time tonight. Or maybe you haven't looked at him in a long time. Haven't sat down and reasoned with him or talked with him and gotten things right. And you can make that right tonight too. I want to make this really clear. It's not my invitation. It's not. It's not my invitation. It's God's invitation. And we just want to give you some time tonight to enjoy the party. <laughs> to enjoy the invitation with God. If you want to come and meet God for the first time, or maybe reconnect with Him, we're going to have a song in a moment. And we invite you to come right down here to the front. Myself and some of our other hostesses are going to be right here. And we're welcome. We're, we're glad to pray with you, to welcome you here. But if you want to just come and all by yourself, use this as an altar and just pray to the Lord and talk to Him and sit and reason with Him, that's a wonderful thing to do. I believe, you know, there is a connection between our spirit and our physical body. And when we do things physically, it helps the whole spiritual process. You know, it's one thing to just stand there and do it in your heart. It's a whole other thing to actually move with God and get your whole being involved. God invites you. You're not an afterthought. What a beautiful word that is. All along, he has wanted you to be with him. And he says, come, I've took, taken the veil down. Let us reason together. He sees everything we are. He, he does. He sees everything we have been, but he also sees all that he has made us in Christ. And that is lovely. And we invite you to come and just enjoy his invitation tonight.